my friend Scott Crawford, DaleWileyShow.com. So I'm talking today to Scott Crawford, and Scott and I go way back to the days of Harp Magazine. Please tell me about Harp. Well, it's been uh, almost 20 years, I guess. So uh, I know it yeah, is crazy. Um, yeah, Harp was like a, sort of the alternative to, uh, or the way I envisioned it was like the alternative to spin at the right and uh so what that meant is uh sort of uh, a lot of focus on the um indie stuff that was going on that the larger magazines weren't covering as well as you know um trying to position myself somewhere between like a magnet which i guess i think is still around and no right which was like an alt country mag and just a yes. reflection of my tastes really which are all over the place um right but um but my, my at the end of the day, they were all songwriters. It didn't depend, It didn't matter what genre they were, and so it took a while, you know. And and so that was that was my whole editorial sort of mission, and I did that for about eight years. And um, right. yeah, and of course, you had such it was such a beautiful magazine. Thank you. And you did a lot of coverage of Slewfoot, that's for sure. Yeah, yep. No, you had, you had a great uh, a great lineup of, of, of bands and uh, always tried to support what you were doing. Well, and I always loved how, you know, we did all the ads of like Star and Boys and Porter Hall. We did a lot of stuff and spent a lot of money with you, frankly, <laughs> although it was not much money compared to the beautiful graphics that you did. Thank you. You always did cool stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that. I tried. Well, and so you've started a new career as a documentary filmmaker. And so tell me about that. So um, basically, I, I uh, well, I'll, I'll capsulize it. I, I came to work one day and was told that the magazine was folding. Right. Which was news to me. Um, and that was that was tough because that was really, you know, all I'd ever wanted to do was to yeah. do a magazine. And, and I, I had done it successfully for like I said, almost eight years we had, I mean, it was, there was absolutely no reason, despite whatever my partners might have to say about it, ex-partners, <laughs> there was no reason to, to, um, to, uh, to stop publishing. But, uh, that's a, that's a whole other, whole other, uh, <laughs> that's another podcast, podcast, I think. And I won't get into that. I'm still pissed off about it. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I just continued to do art direction for magazine, editorial work for a couple of years after that for, you know, on a freelance basis for other magazines and, um, just kept thinking, you know, I had these, all the, all these ideas, uh, sort of percolating in my head about book, about, you know, various books I wanted to write. And, uh, the first book was, um, a book about, um, the music scene that I came of age in, which was the DC punk scene in the 1980s. Right. And um, and then I quickly realized as I started to write an outline that, you know, this film. It just won't mean as much if you if you leave out the music, the actual. Music. Right. So I went, oh, well, you know, it's got, it's got to be a film. So I uh, started working on that. <laughs> and uh, I did that. I worked on that for about three years and we released it and it, it was exceeded by. Exp- I mean, it. It was it was a monster. I mean, it was just not what I expected, and it was great in every way uh, when it came out. And um, it just uh, we sold out. I think we had a week's worth of screenings in DC that we sold out like ten weeks in advance. It was insane. And 
So, and we played it all over the world and I went all over the world playing the film. And so that was really like, okay, clearly this is what I want to do. So, (laughs) so the second book I wanted to write was about cream. Right. And so now I'm out of ideas. So I have no more films left. (laughs) Well, do the Sufid record story. I'll let you you film. But, um, uh, so as Saladay's kind of was winding down, I reached out to, um, to the, uh, through Jan Huelski, who used to write for Cream and was also my senior editor at uh, at Harp. Okay. So through that connection, she hooked me up with Bear, uh, Barry Kramer's, the uh, late Barry Kramer's son, JJ. And, right, JJ. And I pitched him the idea, and um, we just hit it off, and boom, we just hit the ground running. So now here we are four years later, yeah. and the film is done. Well, and it's a wonderful film, and so – to describe who you interviewed and who you talked to and just, you know, give a pitch to people that may not know about cream. So, uh, well, thank you for that. So cream is, um, cream was a magazine that started in 1969 and ran through about 89 and really was like the penultimate in terms of, uh, music, rock and roll journalism. It really set the standard. Um, I mean, you had everyone from uh, Lester Bangs to Dave Marsh, Richard Meltzer, Charles Bukowski, Nick Toshis, um, uh, Griel Marcus. You know, he's a, it was Jan Huelski, uh, Susan Whitehall. Uh, it was a who's who of music journalisms. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, and they all wrote for Cream um, and uh, in the early days and the heyday and, and on through. Uh, so for me, it was a, it was a magazine that really changed my life and really helped. It was an early in, you know, inspiration for me as to what I wanted to do with my life. And, uh, sure. So, uh, you know, it was, um, unlike any other rock and roll magazine at the time, it was very sort of, uh, kill your idols. You know, uh, right. editorial approach. <laughs> you know? Rang, a lot of killing. I did. Yeah, love to knock rock stars off their pedestals, and that right. appealed to me very early on. As especially as a punk rock kid, that's a very appealing approach. And um, so, uh, and I knew I knew that there was obviously. I mean, as a kid, you read Cream, and and to me, the writers. And this was part of Cream's approach. It was like they were just as interesting to me as the people they were covering. You know, they were, definitely. You know, they were characters onto themselves. You know, themselves, and um, and would name check each other in any given issue. You know, um, <laughs> so that was fun. And so, to me, I just wanted to explore these characters. And and I knew through the years, you know, having spoken to you know Jan and so many other contributors to, to Cream, that you know these were there's a real character study here in terms of, um, you know, the, the people behind the magazine. And so that's what I wanted to pull out. Well, you know, that's the thing that, you know, I just think is so well done because it's a really compelling story about Detroit and just about all the different things that came to mesh into cream. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's very much, I mean, cream is, uh, you know, define sort of that det- middle, you know, that Detroit attitude that people still talk about, to, you know, to this day, whether it's sport right. or whatever. Um, you know, there's there was a real chip on their shoulder. And um, and I think being from the Midwest, not being from the coasts, um, you know, there was a very before it was even part of our vocabulary. There was a very DIY 
approach to what they were doing. And, uh, they, you know, they felt compelled to do it in a way because they love the music so much. And so, um, again, that's another thing that appealed to me about the story, but, uh, but yeah, very much a Detroit story, but, you know, but there's a universal, you know, a lot of universal themes about it as well. Well, you know, one of the things for me, because I think in hearing from what you say, I'm a little bit younger than you, but probably not much. But the idea of, you know, when I was growing up, it was cream and circus. <laughs> now, that was the later days, but that was the stuff that was there. And I wanted to read it and want to do anything. But, you know, I think that that time frame is just so important to all of us kind of growing up and just just taking anything that d- dealt with rock and roll and what, trying to digest it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there wasn't, you know, again, just for context, there was no internet. So the only way, right. you, could, you know, the only way you got your information was from reading about it in a magazine. Or friends. Yes. You had to wait every month. and Exactly. You know, and, and circus, yeah, circus, that was, I was never really a fan. Circus to me was more like photo driven. It was kind of like um, more of a, f- when I say fan magazine, I mean like it was, uh, there was less uh, focus on the writing and more on right. kind of like pull out pinup posters and stuff. I could be wrong because I don't, it's been a while. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're on the right track. I get, you know, I'm not saying this other than, you know, when I was young, yeah. that was the stuff that really drove me. You know? Absolutely. And, you know, there weren't that many, if it wasn't, you know, other than Rolling Stone, there weren't really that many music. Magazines. Hip Parader, there were some, there yeah. were some things, but very rarely would I sit down and say, you know, but that's the thing that Cream provided was just meat, not, not a dessert. Exactly. And there was a humor and an intellect, which you don't always find together. You know? Right. Um, and, and, you know, and I think that they did it like, you know, nobody else. Well, and clearly the you know the the R. Crumb thing is big in this too, in his involvement. And so I know, but tell that story so that people know how very strange that was. Yeah. So R. Crumb, Robert Crumb, um, you know, famous illustrator, um, known for um, keep on trucking, and you know, right. You know, part of that counterculture in the in the sixties and seventies. Um, great documentary made about him. Uh, he walked into Barry Kramer, who's the publisher of Cream. He walked into his head shop one day, uh-huh. which was uh, located in the Cass Corridor of Detroit, which was kind of a seedy area, but it was close to the university. Uh-huh. And um, the editor at the time he said, oh, God, that's our crumb, and approached him right away and said, hey, we're, we, you know, we, we're doing this upstart magazine. You know, Would you be willing to do an illustration? And Crumb needed the money and, you know, was like, <laughs> okay, sure. So he, he, you know, scrawled out a few, uh, you know, cartoons, which, or I'm sorry, illustrations. And uh, one of which ended up being, which to this day is still their logo, the Boy Howdy right. logo. And um, and so, yeah, our Crumb is, is a part of that early story for sure. Yes, and, you know, again, then you've got the big rock writers and all the different names that, you know, Edward and, you know, just everyone is in this thing other than the people that are dead. Right. And there are a lot of people that died during this, too. And so tell me about that. Well, that's true. Uh, there are a number of people that I wish I, 
um, you know, and I'd lined up John Kordosh interviews. Um, I'd lined up, um, you know, uh, um, other interviews with other uh, Nick Koshis I'd reached out to. Um, right. And so, uh, um, unfortunately, a lot of them passed uh, during the course of the, of the film, uh, of, the, of the production process. Uh, otherwise, I, w- I would have gladly had them in the film. But, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so, yeah, that was that was uh, unfortunate and sad. Um, ben uh, Edmonds was another writer that I would have loved to have had in the film. But unfortunately, right. he passed as well. So, um, you know, and then, of course. Um, the editor and Lester Bangs. I mean, you know, that's about part of it, too. Exactly. And you know. the Lester footage that you see in that film, not all of it, but some of it we found during the production process. So some of the really, yeah. So some of the Lester Banks footage you've, you, you'll see in the film has never been seen anywhere. I mean, I'd never seen it. It's never, we didn't even know it existed until we were searching through old tapes. So that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great to be able to have, you know, Lester's voice in there and in literally, you know, to have his actual. Yeah, sure. So. Well, I just thought it's a great film. Everybody needs to see it. And so I know you just said you don't have any more projects lined up, but <laughs> if you have any thoughts. I might have <laughs> a few things I'm working on, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I think that uh, this one, you know, the last, two, the first, well, my first two films, I, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of and um, and I'm looking forward to just seeing what's next. I have a, uh, another doc that I'm working on about um, a guy named Joe Keithley he used to be in a band. Well, he's still in it a band called DOA uh, from way back when. Oh, and uh, from Canada. And uh, you know, they were mm-hmm. one of the real early punk bands like black flag and the dead Kennedys. Right. And uh, they toured the world and he uh, actually w- ran and won a council member seat in Burnaby, which is uh, basically Vancouver in, in Canada uh-huh. um, in 2018. So I'm doing a film where I sort of follow him and uh, win or lose, I'll be documenting the whole process. And it, and, oh, wow. Yeah, and the election, next election is 2022. So there's a real drama there. And, 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 and so it'll be like one-third sort of DOA doc, two-thirds more focusing on Joey and – his political aspirations and um, and just that whole process. So it'll be a real fly on the wall type doc as opposed to a bunch of talking heads. So I'm looking forward right. to doing that. That'll be fun. I think so. And so where can they watch this documentary, this wonderful documentary? Thank you. Thank you. So right now it's, if you go to uh, creammag.com, you'll uh, it'll take you to where you can buy tickets and you can watch it from the comfort of your own home, uh, okay. living room. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, look for it at the end of the month. Uh, we'll make announcements on the on the website and on, on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram about it uh, hitting uh, Amazon and iTunes oh. at the end of the month. And then in October, it will um, hit. The, uh, we're doing a record store uh, day promotion throughout the month of October and November. I think it's I don't have the exact dates, but it's the end of October through the end of November. And okay. the DVD release will have a bunch of uh, bonus features as well. So, Wow. Well, that is so cool. And I'm so glad to hear because I've also been involved in that wonderful movie, The Center of Nowhere, about the Springfield music scene. And so it's so interesting to hear your 
take on making this film and seeing it go somewhere. Thanks so much. I love it. I appreciate it. I really do. And it's good to see you. Well, yes. And, you know, so um, just take care and, and so glad you could be on the podcast. Thanks, Dale. It was great talking to you. Good seeing you. Take care of yourself. DaleWileyShow.com. Tiffany Barler on her fight for social justice. DaleWileyShow.com. Throw Senate Bill 1 at you now. Is in direct conflict with everything that ensures that juveniles are absolutely treated as juveniles in a court of law. So we, you know, we are No More Tears 21-4, and we work on a federal level, and we bring – we're part of – we just got inducted to the NCOSC, the National Coalition of Sexual Exploitation, there in yes. D.C. this year. Well, we're talk and, about, we had a book coming out. I want to hear about yes, that. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I sure do. And it launches by March. My long, long road of how I've become right. a huge advocate for sexual trafficking. That's the idea. Against sexual trafficking, <laughs> yes. How I'm a victim advocate and an advocate to end sexual exploitation right. and human trafficking. Exactly. Well, we are right. I mean, I am working with international partners right now as well. We've got a five-year. Yeah. We actually have a liftoff project in Nigeria after oh, wow. we went to the Sea Summit. Exactly for, oh, and we're just little old us, you know. Right. But we are we are now part of 220 coalition members in the world, you know, in the United States that works on a worldwide global level now. Juveniles between the ages of 12. Dale, 12 and 18 to be put in prison and jail with adults. Fiscal year 2018, black youth accounted for 63% of the certified youth. We at seven, we were at 63. DaleWileyShow.com. Because there was something in the water in Springfield, Missouri. Hey, don't forget me. I'm Brenda Lee, and we're all going to have fun tonight on Ozark Jubilee. Missouri Music Podcast, hosted by music fan and the founder of Slewfoot Records, Mr. Dale Wiley. 